all the time. Give him another hand clap right now, if you will. We are still doing uh, what I'm calling, and we started, we did this when we first started the church here in the new building, and did it for a good while, and uh, I call it Spotlight on Scripture, and where we focus on different scriptures and talk about them, and uh, we are still doing that, and we will for a little while longer. Uh, tonight, I'm going to call your attention to the book of um, Matthew, Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be in the fifth chapter. We're going to be reading from the King James Version. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be start reading at verse 1, and we're going to read down uh, through verse 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And um, we're going to be, this, what we're going to be start talking about tonight, and we won't be able to get them all tonight, but uh, we're going to be talking about what is referred to as the Beatitudes. And that is, that is something that normally just gets taught to the younger ones uh, in Sunday school class. But there's a lot of deep meat in here that a lot of us adults need. And uh, I haven't dealt with it. The Beatitudes, the first part of this uh, is the opening of what is known as... Um, the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous message and sermon that Jesus preached and taught while he was on the earth. And it really opens up a lot when you study these few chapters here in Matthew, how Jesus taught the people. Uh, and this was his, his true heart and teaching. And we're going to read, read them all uh, tonight, the, um, uh, the Beatitudes in the first 12 verses, and then we will begin to talk about each one of them as far as we can go. Um, we'll read along there on the screen, or we'll open up your Bible, ever how you want to do it. We appreciate those that's watching tonight by means of the internet. We're glad to have you uh, with us here. We uh, wish you was here live with us, but uh, glad you're watching there, and uh, let's just um, spend a little time in the Word tonight. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed, now some people say blessed, some people say blessed. I grew up, was taught blessed, so uh, that, that's how I, I pronounce it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers 
for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted today the prophets which were before you. So you can see, as I said, there's a lot of deep meat here that, um, that's good for all of us. Talk a little bit about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, um, as I said, came from the opening verses of the famous Sermon on the Mount delivered by Jesus, recorded here in Matthew. Jesus stated several blessings, each beginning with the phrase, Blessed are. Each saying speaks of a blessing or divine favor that will be bestowed on the person who possesses a certain character or quality. Now, some modern translations of the Bible use, instead of blessed, they put happy. Happy are ye. But it's a little bit deeper than that because Jesus is uh, bestowing uh, a certain divine favor on those people who possess each one of these qualities that he's talking about. Uh, the word beatitude comes from a Latin word that means blessedness. Blessedness. The phrase blessed are, and each beatitude implies a current state of happiness or well-being. This expression held powerful meaning of divine joy and perfect happiness to the people of the day. In other words, Jesus was saying divinely happy, divinely happy. And fortunate are those who possess these inward qualities. While speaking of a current blessedness, each pronouncement also promised a future reward. Each beatitude is a proverb-like saying packed with meaning that's worthy of our study. Hallelujah. So, as we go down through these, and I'm not going to rush uh, we will, um, uh, I will shoot to cover three of them tonight, uh, but uh, let's just see what we can find uh, about this. The first one Jesus talked about, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, this Poor here it has nothing to do with finances. Amen. A wealth or lack of it. Uh, the phrase poor in spirit speaks of a spiritual condition of poverty. Spiritual condition of poverty. It describes the person who recognizes his or her need for God. 
the kingdom of heaven refers to the people who acknowledge God as king. Hallelujah. Um, there's a lot of folks that don't want to do that today, you know. A lot of folks don't want to acknowledge him as Lord and king. I can't believe it, but there's actually churches today and there's preachers preaching uh, that you don't have to make Jesus the Lord of your life to go to heaven. As long as he's the Savior of your life, you don't have to make him your Lord. I'm going to tell you something, and I hope this goes out everywhere. If Jesus ain't your Lord, neither is he going to be your Savior. Hallelujah. He has got to be the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. Now, let's get back to what we're talking about. People who are poor in spirit are those who are humble before God. They realize that they uh, have nothing in this life that they can contribute to receiving the kingdom of heaven. They have afflicted their souls, meaning that they have humbled themselves and repented with deep uh, contrition, and they have come to the king as helpless and hopeless sinners. There's no arrogance in them, no self-righteousness, no self-sufficiency. They are free from their own pretensions, and therefore, they are, they are free for God. Everyone who wishes to enter the kingdom must be spiritually poor, for salvation is a gift from God. Um, poor in spirit. You know, God, God is, um, uh, he's close to those, and he, he looks to those, the Bible says, as a contrite spirit. And uh, several of these that we're going to be talking tonight about are, are linked together, as you'll find out as we get along uh, in them. But let me give you an application here being poor in spirit. I, I got I to gotta realize and understand that there is nothing that I have and there's nothing that I can do to obtain salvation on my own. Poor in spirit. It means that I am spiritually busted. My, my soul was born about as empty as my wallet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I, I cannot afford, you cannot afford salvation. You don't have enough and you never will have enough and I will never have enough neither to obtain that. So we become poor in spirit when we realize our need for Him. Amen. Totally. Totally our need for Him. Uh, the clear lesson is that if any are going to enter the kingdom of heaven, they must become poor in spirit. This is the message of the kingdom. It is a call of repentance. They must humble themselves before God and acknowledge that they bring nothing of their own power, possessions, or merit to gain entrance. Those who truly humble themselves and express their need of the Lord 
they have the kingdom of heaven. And each one of these, as we talk about them, I'm going to give you the paraphrase of that scripture. Now, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's that same scripture paraphrase. Listen to this. Blessed are those who humbly recognize their need for God, for they will enter into his kingdom. Hallelujah. You can't receive nothing from God until you recognize you have a need of him. I like what I heard one preacher say one time, before you can get somebody saved, you got to first get them lost. I mean, the one that Sister Marjorie was talking about a while ago in her testimony, uh, you know, there, uh, there's a lot of people don't have a clue about what being lost is. Amen. A good number of the people in the world today don't realize that they're in need of a Savior. I'm going to tell you, for those that are in the room tonight and for those that's watching, if you understand that, you better thank God how much you have been blessed because there's a whole world of people out there don't have that knowledge. They don't realize that they're on their own, they're a poor or they're a helpless. They don't have the ability to help themselves. They need God. Okay, let's go on to the second one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Hallelujah. I, I searched up. Uh, some commentaries to get some opinions of others about this particular verse. And most people were talk, uh, talking about blessed are they who mourn over their sin. And uh, I understand that the Bible says godly sorrow worketh repentance. Uh there cannot be no repentance in your life until there's some godly sorrow. And I'm not talking about, like a lot of politicians, sorrow they get caught. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, uh, and when some people talk about being sorry, that's what they're sorry about. Uh, if they hadn't got, haven't got caught, you never would hear them say they're sorry. But this morning here, I'm feeling after the heart of the Lord here, knowing that God is concerned about us. He cares about us. You know, the Bible said it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be blessed. He wants the joy of Him to flow in you. And there's a lot of things in life that cause us to mourn. We mourn over lost loved ones, amen? We mourn over a lot of different things. But, and when we are in that attitude and when we mourn, 
God, uh, it breaks his heart. And when Jesus said here, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, I want to give you two or three other scriptures uh, that talk about this. I'm going to take you to Psalms chapter 30, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. Psalms chapter 30, verses 10 through 12. Listen to what it, uh, what it says. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee, and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Notice what David said. He said, Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing. God don't want you mourning. He don't want your heart filled with grief. Hallelujah. And there's a promise that he has given to us he said, blessed are they that mourn, because they're going to be called. God says, I'm going I'm to take care of it for you. Let's go to another scripture, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 19 and 20. And this is a prophecy of a future state of this, uh, the kingdom of God, when, when God comes back and he sets up his kingdom on this earth. Isaiah 60 chapter, verses 19 through 20. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light. That kind of reminds us of Scripture and Revelation, don't it? Unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy uh, moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thy everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. So God has given promises here for those who mourn. Whatever, whatever the circumstances, whatever the reason of your mourning, I'm going to take you to one other scripture, Isaiah, again, chapter 61, verses 1, 2, and 3. And this is the same scripture when Jesus came on the earth uh, and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. They asked him, did he have anything to say? And he opened up the scroll of Isaiah, and this is what Jesus himself read. Isaiah 61, 1, 1, 2, and 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, Notice what he said, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. How many knows that 
spiritual Zion is the church. Hallelujah. To give unto them beauty for ashes. You know, that's the name of the uh, uh, place that we support uh, there in Springfield. This is where she got that title, the name of their place. God says, I'm going to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Hallelujah. Remember what Jesus said now. He said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And this right here was a prophecy of it. I'm going to give you the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God don't want us going around droopy. Hallelujah. He wants you to be happy and full of joy. And I don't, I don't care, but it's the devil that comes around dumping all this other stuff on that makes us sad, weary, and grief-stricken. That don't come from God. It comes from the devil. Hallelujah. He said that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, I want to kind of stop and tell you now, each one of these we're talking about, I'm only giving you one or two scriptures on each one, and the reason why I'm only one and two scriptures is because of time, but there's much more in the, in the Word of God about this. Now, here's the application. Here's how we apply this scripture. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And listen, listen to me close. This is how, this is how I wrote it down. I want to read it. As people face the sadness and sorrows of life, they can do so with hope that God sees and understands our grief. And it all will become just a memory in his coming kingdom. Hallelujah. And let me add, it's not only going to be one day just a memory, but it'll be a bad memory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, so when we do go through grief, whatever the cause of your grief, the loss of a loved one, uh, it could, I'm going to tell you something. Some people make a lot of this, but as I said, God is concerned about what you're concerned with. And if, you got, if you're grief-sicken over the loss of a pet, God's concerned about that. Somebody says, you mean tell me there are going to be animals in heaven? Yes, they are. You think going to be no animals in heaven? How in the world can the lion lay down by the lamb? Is not that what the Bible said will happen? I mean... There's not going to be wild animals more. The animals are going to be just like they was before the flood of Noah. Hallelujah. You see, uh, animals didn't have a wild nature before the flood, and they, did, they didn't fear man back then because we know, I mean, until it, it, was, it wasn't after the flood that God told uh, Noah and his sons that I... Certain animals you can have for food from now on. But before that, I mean, they were, they were strictly vegetarian. Before the flood, it wasn't nothing but the Daniels fast. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It, was, it wasn't going to Nicodemus for, uh, 
Amen. So um, as people, as we face sadness and sorrows in this life, we got to hope that God sees and understands. Hallelujah. And now I'm going to paraf- give you the paraphrase of this verse. Blessed are those stricken with grief and sorrow, for those who keep faith in God will be comforted and have solace. That's the paraphrase of that verse uh, right there. Um, I was going to try to get um, one more, but I'm not going to because I'm not going to rush it. We're coming right up on our, our closing time. But this is some beautiful teaching here coming directly from the Lord himself. And as you read these, you can actually look into the heart of Jesus. Now, I realize different people are praying for different things while we're doing our fast. One of the main things I've been focusing on, I've been praying, and I pray every morning, real early, around 4 o'clock. I'll be, Lord willing, if my eyes open up and I'm up, I'll be up in the morning at 4 o'clock, and I'll sit there and I'll say, Lord, help me to know you. I, I, I'm gonna, I really, I've been in church all my life, but I, I feel like there's so much about God I'm still missing. I want to know him. And I'm talking about on the intimate level. I want to know him. And by, by reading some teaching like this right here that Jesus himself taught, you can kind of see where Jesus is coming from, how he's concerned about us, and he wants the best from uh, for us. And I will close by telling you another scripture where God said he would withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly before him. I use that scripture a lot. I have, when I have people coming to me, and they're praying about maybe getting a, a different job, another job, or maybe an automobile, or purchasing a home. And they're wondering if all's going to go through, if all's going to work out. And my counsel just about to everybody, and, and this works just about 100% for us all. But that scripture has got a lot of weight to it. God has promised me in his word that he would withhold no good thing from me if I walk up right before him. So if I'm looking for a particular job and it don't work out, that means God knows more about it than I do, and it ain't a good thing. If it was a good thing, God wouldn't withhold it from me. If something something don't happen and a deal falls through, I'm trying to buy something, be it a car or whatever, then I... The reason how I can receive that in Jesus' name is that God knows more about it than me and it must not be a good thing because God has promised me he would withhold nothing good from me. And that's you too. Let's all stand together.